God is my witness. Amen. It's good to see you tonight on this Wednesday night. How many feel the presence of the Lord here tonight? Amen. He's here. It's exciting to serve God. We're going to get into the Word, but i got two quick announcements that we'll go over again on Sunday. Two big events coming up this month. One is not this Sunday, the 18th, but the following Sunday, the 25th. Is that right? Yes. 25th, we're going to have our first baptism since March, I think. It's all the way since before COVID. Amen. So, come on, guys. That was a golf clap. Did I put? Amen. So we're going to have baptism. I've already talked to several people, several people I know that need to. If you have not been baptized in water since you believed, amen, then this Sunday, this following Sunday is for you. Always remember there's different reasons why you'd get baptized. One is obviously you've never been baptized. That's the, obviously the most, most uh, obvious reason. The second one would be that you got baptized as a kid, as a child, maybe in a different religion and you didn't remember it. That would be a reason. And the third one would be maybe you've even been baptized the right way as a believer, but you backslid, you went back into the world or something like that, and you've rededicated your life. That would be another reason. So those are three reasons why you'd get baptized in water. See me, see a leader, ask somebody, show up that Sunday, and it's going to be an exciting time. Amen? I believe it's going to be one of our best ones ever. Then on the 31st, which is Halloween, and we don't have, get to have our Harvest Fest this year, um, but we're going to do an outreach anyways. And so we're going to go to, to Eureka Park, and just like we did last a uh, couple weeks ago at, at North Lakes, we're going to have food and, and uh, drinks, and uh, we're going to come in our VWO gear, and we're going to have candy bags to give away to the kids at the park. And so uh, we, this is an all-church outreach, and we want everybody to be involved. Saturday the 31st from 3 to 5. Amen. I want to talk tonight about one by one, okay? One, W-O-N, by one, O-N-E. Father, anoint your word tonight. Uh, allow us to receive revelation in this place. We know that right now you're speaking to our hearts and we're sensitive. We're open to what you want to speak to us. We're open to change, to be challenged, to grow, and to become everything you've called us to be. Lord, anoint this word tonight. Allow us to leave different tonight than when we came in. And devil, we come against you by the power of the name of Jesus. There is no power in this place that can overcome the will of God that can overcome God's healing. We pray, Lord, if there's sickness or disease or any spirits that raise themselves against the knowledge of the living God tonight, that they have to flee. They cannot be here. They are not welcome. And we thank you for the liberty and the freedom and the power of your Holy Spirit to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hopefully, Sunday, you caught this revelation. And uh, I, hopefully there was many, but there was one I want to I follow up with tonight. And the re that revelation was... I asked, what is it that makes, that was a question I asked, what is it that makes a great sign, what is a great sign of the authenticity of a move of God? Maybe you remember that question. What, what, is, that, what is something that happens in a church? And, and we see it happening and we go, that's an authentic sign that God is moving. And what it was, if you didn't catch it, it was kind of near the end, it was this, that the church gets the vision. Okay, the church catches the vision. We have a vision of reach, teach, send. It's a vision that's not just for me. It's not just for some. It's for all. It's biblical. And God, God chose to reach, teach, and send His gospel to this world starting with 12 men. Just 12 people. And if we think about that sometimes, how many have ever, if you're honest, how many have ever thought, man, it's a big city we live in. It's a lost city. It's a lost world. It's a lost nation. 
How can we ever see God move? How many have ever thought felt that way? If, but when we think that way, the reason we think that way is because we forget God's plan. How God moves. God changed the entire world with 12 people. 12. I mean, that's not a lot of people. Sometimes we think we need multitudes. We need thousands and hundreds. God took 12 men, and those 12 men turned the world upside down, Access. And they, and they got the gospel going. And today the gospel has reached us on this side of the world. And we know who Jesus Christ is. And now we're sharing that to others. But how many know that there are still people out there that do not know who Jesus is? And they need to be one. They need to be W-O-N to Jesus. And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to win those people to Jesus one person at a time. When the church becomes the voice... I said this Sunday, not the pastor, not my preaching, not the great programs that our church could have, not great praise and worship that I believe we have, not great kids ministry that I believe we have, not great social media that I believe we have, not a beautiful building that I believe we have. I believe we have all those things. I believe we're truly blessed and we have all those things and all those things are necessary and they're important. But that's not what makes a move of God. That's not what's going to change this city. This city's going to change when you and I individually realize God has a mandate for me. God has a mandate for you. And you are to win people one by one. You, personally, individually, sharing your faith with people. Think about this. Can you think tonight of the person who invited you to church? Can you think of the person who preached the gospel to you? Can you think of the person who, who preached the message the day you got saved? When you do that, when you think about that person, if it wasn't for that one person, one, put your finger up and show me your one, just one. It wasn't two or three or four or five or ten or a thousand. It was one person that really got your attention. You know, mine was an evangelist, an evangelist that got my attention. He was preaching the gospel in a way that I needed to hear it. And that night, I was won by one man. And, and, and then in my own personal life, this should be the goal of all of us because that one man won me to Jesus. I've been able to lead many others to, to Jesus. I've been able to go to other countries. I've been able to start different ministries and start different churches because one man won me. It's the gospel of multiplication. And sometimes we think, man, this is such a big world. It's such a large uh, lost world. There's billions of people. How are we going to reach them all? And then that's what the devil wants us to think. He wants us to think it's too many. We can't do it. Don't you think the, the disciples thought that? When Jesus said, I'm, I want you to go preach the gospel and change the whole world, I, I believe that there was a lot of doubt in their minds that they could do that. We obviously know they didn't get to see the whole picture. But they can see it today, that that gospel was preached all around the world. So world evangelism, one person at a time. One by one. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. This was something very important at our conference now, I, this, I was talking to a couple of the guys before the service. This is, this is a revelation to me because, and, and we should, let me just tell you something. We should constantly be getting new revelation, okay? What that means is, and just so you don't misunderstand that, what does that mean to get a revelation? I've always said that the easiest way to understand that is when the light bulb pops on. Brian said it at the prayer time. The light bulb comes on and you go, that's what that means. I get it. How many know God needs us to get it? If we'll get it the people will get it. If we'll get it, the people we're supposed to reach will get it. 
And so we can read verses, and this is where we need to be careful as, as, in, in the lines of discipleship, that we've heard something so many times, we've read something so many times that we, we hear a verse and we go, oh, I've heard that, and we, we kind of automatically, not on purpose, but automatically begin to think about something else, or here, watch this, or even think about the way it was preached last time, the way I've heard it before. The Bible says, we're going to read this in a second, the Bible says in Hebrews that His Word is sharper than a two-edged sword and that it's living. What that means is it, that it can speak to me a different today than it did six months ago. The Word did not change, but my understanding of it and my application of it changes. And so there's something in there I want us to see that really for me was, was something I know is going to take me to another level because it was something I saw that, that was simple. And that's something I want to say too. When you really begin to get the things of God, you realize how simple they are. Let me know the gospel's simple. We complicate it. For example, what are we talking about? World evangelism. Winning the world. And you think there's 7 billion people on the earth, and, and you think I'd get up here with some pyramid scheme that would get the world so, saved fast, and I could tell you thousands and hundreds of thousands of times we get to that billion. But I threw that off by saying one by one. I mean, no, that's going to take a while in our understanding. Well, look what this says. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, I mean, there's a multitude of lost people tonight. When he saw the multitude, this is the attitude we should all have. Now, this isn't the revelation, but this could be a revelation. He was moved with compassion. I mean, no, that's a revelation. He was moved with compassion. I said this Sunday, when we look at this world, are we moved? Right? Or do we just come check the box on Sunday? We just come check the box on Wednesday. He was moved with compassion. Because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Now, watch this next part. Now, how many have how many read this verse before? Have you ever heard this verse before? I could tell you I've heard it thousands of times. Thousands of times. Thousands. Conferences, messages, thousands of times. But he says to his disciples. Notice he did not say it to the multitude. Get that revelation first. He did not say it to the... He said there was a multitude of people. Okay? There was a multitude of people. But he said to his disciples... See, that's when, that's when things begin to happen. When you become in here, when you come out of the multitude and you become a disciple. You start to catch things. You start to get things. You don't want to be a part of the multitude. You were a part of the multitude, but you don't want to stay a part of the multitude. You want to come out of the multitude and you want to become a disciple. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay, so there's a lot of people out there that need Jesus, but there's not enough workers. How are we going to get the world saved? There's not enough workers. Is it because there's not enough workers available? Or is it because there's not enough workers available? Right? They're there. They're there, but are they available? Are they willing? Are they committed? Will they go? Will they do? Will... So they're there, he says, but the laborers are are not enough, he says. So here's the answer. Here's the revelation. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. 
And so we have to, I, so I'm praying now more than ever before, not just for him to send laborers, but for, I'm praying for the laborers we already have. I'm praying for you. That God would put a burden and a fire in you. It's, it, because, because that's what, it, what is a true revival. If the pastor has a, ver- a vision for the church, which he should, and he has a vision for the lost, which he should, and he has a call to preach, which he should, that's great. But see, that's the problem today in a lot of churches. A lot of churches have only a few people who have a vision for the lost, and the rest are just the multitude. They just show up on Sundays and check the box. But what would happen if all of us individually would get a revelation that I can win one by one? I can win one to Jesus one at a time. That I can make a difference in somebody's life. That I can spread the gospel to someone's life. That I could be the laborer that Jesus needs for his harvest. I mean, that's sobering when you think about it. When you think about, and I was thinking about this when I was praying earlier in the prayer room, just, just the thought that I had. All of us have things that move us. How many would agree with that? Okay, you might be moved when I say moved, what, in your intellect, in your emotions, in your feelings, in your, what makes you happy, some people might be moved by money. Some people might be moved by things. Some people might be moved by affirmation or by fame or whatever. I'm just throwing out some ideas. You're moved by that, and if something were to happen, let's say, let's say if it was affirmation, if someone important would call you, somebody that, that is known would call you and say, this person's my friend. You, that would make you happy because so-and-so that's famous called you their friend. That might be yours. Or, or someone would call you and say, I've got an inheritance for you. A so, certain amount of money is waiting for you. A check, come pick it up. That might make you happy. Or someone might call you and say, hey, I've got a, a house that was given to you and you just need to come sign and it's yours. Or a new car. I'm just throwing out some examples. Whatever those things are that move you, what, what, what happens when you get a revelation of the harvest is you realize that none of those things, as Paul said, move you. But what really, what really moves you is when you realize that I might not have that new house, I might not get that new car, I might not get that inheritance check, I might not know anybody famous, but I know somebody famous. I have a house waiting for me in heaven. I have money waiting for me in heaven. I have a person that's super famous that knows my name. His name is Jesus, and he, I've gotten all those calls in one when Jesus said, follow me. All of them in one. Do you, do you get that? When you really realize that you're not just sitting here listening to a message, but that you've been called to be a laborer in the harvest field of God. God. Not Victory World Outreach, not... Assemblies of God, not the just, but God. God. The God of this universe wants you on his team. That should wake us up every morning excited. It should give us a, a great movement of compassion to say, Lord, use me. Now there was a statement that was made this week, and, and this always happens in conference. There's always a, a silver lining. We're never told what to preach on. We're never told a message title or anything like that, but there's always a silver lining through the conference. And as I preached Wednesday, it it was spoken Monday night at the prayer meeting. It was spoken Tuesday night. It was spoken Wednesday morning. I spoke it Wednesday night. And it continued through the conference. And one of the main themes was this, the, the word one. 
One. One. That one person is important. Amen? And, and so think about this. We, we as a church should want the whole world to be saved. Why? Because that's what Jesus wants. That's his plan. That's his will. He wants the whole world to be saved. He said it in John. He said, I don't want anyone to perish. You know what? Jesus doesn't even want that person that's your enemy that you can't stand to go to hell. He doesn't want them to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So he has a global vision. But isn't it crazy that he said, I'm going to get this world saved through you? Ever heard the buck stops here? What if we would begin to think, man, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, the gospel's not going to be preached. If I, don't, if I don't answer the call, and I don't win one by one, the gospel stops with me. What if, what if we would do that instead of what we do a lot of times? Not on purpose, but just in our normal fleshly human attitude of somebody else will do it. Come on, am I, t- am I telling the truth? Don't we all do that? We're all guilty of that. Someone else will do it. Joe was telling me of a story of a young lady. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this, but someone he worked with Sunday who he had a chance to witness to. And he didn't feel like he, he, he witnessed to her the way he wanted to or, or the result that he wanted that. Has anybody ever done, has anybody ever been in that boat? Or you knew you were supposed to say something to somebody and you didn't? We're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of, of, of the Holy Spirit saying, say something. Or at the very least, give them a track. Tell them Jesus loves them. Do something to, to, to plant a seed. We're all guilty of that. We've all missed those opportunities. What if that was the last chance? What if that one time was the last chance? Not just for that person, but for humanity. What if God said, it's going to stop with you? What if, what if Je- Here's a thought. What if Jesus is saying tonight... When, that, when you, I'm, I'm making this personal to every single one of us. Tell the person again next to you, he's talking to you. Okay, just to make sure I'm not talking to the other person, I'm talking to you. Now tell the person next to you, he's talking to me. Okay, are we good on that? He's talking to me, he's talking to you, I'm talking to me, it's me, me in the mirror. What if Jesus was up there saying, God was up there saying, when he or she does what they're supposed to do, I'm coming back. What if the return of Jesus Christ is hinging on your obedience? Think about it. I'm not, I'm not saying that just to sound cool or hype things up. What if? Because that's how serious it is. That's how serious God takes this gospel. So think about this. We cannot conceive the many without the one. There is no multitude without one. When you look at this church, however many hundreds of people we have in our church, when everybody's here, and that's obviously been majorly attacked this year, amen? But when we're all together, whatever that number is, that is our church in Denton, Texas, however many we are, we could never have become that number without one. The many, the multitude, is conceived by one. Tonight, maybe you haven't conceived yet the one. Maybe God is... Maybe the revival that God wants you to see, the revival God wants us to see in this church hinges on you just getting that one started. One by one. Because church, I'm going to give you something to think about. This is Wednesday night. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. This isn't about embarrassment. This isn't make you feel bad. But there may be some people in here, there may be many people in here, who have never led a person to the Lord personally. 
Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to say that's me or that's not me. But if you're in here and you've never personally prayed with a person to say, repeat this after me. Today you're going to be in heaven. The Lord is going to forgive you. You say that sinner's prayer and they personally get saved. If you've never done that, you're missing out on the greatest addiction you could ever have in the world. There is no greater feeling than to know that you have won someone to eternal life by simply sharing the gospel with them. Are you all still here? Let's look at Judges chapter 6. I want to take a, 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 a piece of scripture that Pastor Paul preached on the first night of the conference. And I want to tie this in. Judges chapter 6. How many have ever heard the name Gideon? Like I've been challenging you recently, I hope that you are reading the Bible. I hope that you're spending time in the Word. I hope you're getting uh, past that flesh and, and spending some time reading so that when I say, how many have heard this and how many have heard that, and, and I say a verse, you start to go, man, I remember that story. It makes you feel good instead of, man, I don't know anything. Amen. My wife and I were watching the, the show The Weakest Link. Has anybody ever seen that show? We kind of like it. I like when she says, goodbye. So the weakest link gets weaker every time, and it got down. It starts with like 10 people, and it gets down to two, right? And somewhere around the fourth person, no, it was, this, it was the last two. So there was these last two people, and the weakest link sometimes makes it to the end. And she did. And so they're asking her questions. They have five questions at the end, and she missed them all. And about the fourth question, she goes, how come I don't know anything? I'm <laughs> like, you think, how in the world did she get to the end of the thing? But she did. I don't want to stand before God someday and go, how come I don't know anything? Amen. I want to know. I want to, I want to study to show myself approved. So this man Gideon, if, if you don't know the story, he was, his main thing he was known for was God took his army down from a whole bunch of people to almost nothing, which is what he does because he uses small things to do big things. But in this part of the story, let's read a few verses here. It says in verse 11 of chapter 6. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was Ophrah. Not Oprah. Ophrah. Which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. He was working. In order to hide it from the Midianites, the Midianites would be an example of the enemy. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want to go back to that for a second. This is, as I begin to close, I want you to understand this. It's kind of coming off of Sunday as well. You need to believe tonight that you are a mighty man or mighty woman of valor in the Lord's eyes. Do you believe that tonight? How many over here believe that tonight? You are a mighty woman or man of valor. You're, you're important in the kingdom of God. Basically what he's showing us here is Gideon in a moment of weakness, which we all have, is feeling like, I don't mean anything, I don't amount to anything, I'm a nobody. And so God sends the word of the Lord, which hopefully tonight and many times in these messages, God is speaking to you and saying, listen, I'm still with you, I still want to use you, I still got a plan for you. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, oh my Lord, stay with me here. He goes, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? Where are his miracles, which our father told us about? And saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the, forsake, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You know what he's doing? He's like, we've, we've lost and I admit it. And he's not just saying that to a companion. He's saying that to God. God just told him through the word of the Lord, through an angel, that you are a mighty man of valor. Then the devil comes along and puts some whys in his spirit. And he goes, why did this coronavirus happen? Why did I lose my job? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why this and why that? And he starts asking these questions. Listen, God is not looking for our whys. God's not looking for us to ask why. Because if you want to get in that battle with him, go ahead. But you might want to go read Job first. Because every time someone gets in a battle of the wise with God, God gets sarcastic. And God reminds us, who are you? Where were you when I slung the stars into the heavens? Where were you when I made the divide between land and sea? And he goes on, and he's basically saying, why are you asking questions? Amen? So God is not looking. He goes, why? Why this? Why that? Why no miracles? God is not looking for our whys. He's looking for our dues. He's looking for our, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Not why. Why, God? Why me? Why them? Why now? Why, 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 why? How many know sometimes God just wants to say, shut up. Stop asking me why and just say, yes, Lord. Because the quicker you get past the whys to the yes, Lord, the quicker you're going to see a move of God in your life. The quicker you're going to be happy. So then in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. See, God just kind of looked past the questions. I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to waste my time with your questions. He says, go in this might of yours, and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. He's saying, I need you to go win some. I need you to go witness. I need you to go share your faith. And he says, have I not sent you? So that's what it comes back to realize. Tonight, I'm not sending you. I'm not exalting you. I'm not challenging you. God is. God has called you. You have to answer that call for yourself. Tell the person next to you again, he's going to talk to you on judgment day. Did you say that to him? Amen? Where's the spotlight at? There it is. I can't look at it too long because y'all become really white. I did look at it too long. That's the worst. Okay, there's a spotlight up there, though. And we're all going to be in that spotlight. Once we get the building where we want it to be, Chris will be able to hit a button, and boom, the spotlight will be just right. I could have said spotlight, boom. All the other lights would have gone off. That's a future project, amen? Right? You all following me? And all of a sudden, boom, spotlight. We're all going to stand in that spotlight, and God's going to say, what would you do? I called you. I said, I want you to tell people about me. I gave you the opportunity to be a part of the greatest enterprise in the world. What'd you do? And church, I won't be there for you. You won't be there for me. Your wife and your husband won't be there. It'll just be you. Just you. And you're going to have to say for yourself, God, you might throw wise out. You might throw excuses out. But what God's really going to be looking for is Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
How many get what I'm saying? One by one. Winning one person, one person at a time. Watch, he says, he goes, I'm going to closer. He says, so, oh my Lord, verse 15, how can I save Israel? God's like, I know he's, I know he's nodding his head. Because what did God just say the verse before? Have I not sent you? God, how can I do? We always put it back on us. God, how can I do this? God's like, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm going to do it through you. Just open your mouth. Just put your hand out and hand on a track. Just tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. And some of you in this place, if I had your testimony, I would never stop talking. I would be talking nonstop. I'm serious. Some of you have testimonies that are so amazing. So powerful. Why aren't you telling people about what God has done for you? Why aren't you shouting it from the rooftops? Telling people, man, this is who I was. This is what I did. This is where I went. This is what I said. This is who I ran with. But Jesus stepped in and changed my life. Saved me. Turned me around. Now I want you to be saved too, just like Jesus saved me. Why aren't you sharing your testimony? Because the devil says you're the weakest of the clan. I'm the least in my father's house. Humility is good most of the time. But there are some moments where you need to know who you are in God. And you need to open your mouth and speak. Watch this, verse 16. This is what I really want you to see. And the Lord said, surely I will be with you. That's all I need right there. I'm good. If God says he's with me, what does the Bible say? If God is with me, who can be against me? If God's with me, I'll go. I, I love what Pastor Jones said. I'll go against the fire with the water gun. I'll, I'll go to the gates of hell with the water gun. You picture that? Because God's with me. We need to start looking at our God that way. He says, I'll be with you, and you will defeat the Midianites, watch this, as one man. What is he saying there? He's saying that the enemy that's a multitude becomes just one when God's involved. Just one. And the opposite of that is this. That one man or one woman with God is an army. Army of people. When God is with you and you face the devil and you face the enemy, the enemy doesn't see you. The enemy sees God. Amen? But God wants us to shine. He wants us to stand out. He wants our silhouette to bring glory to his name. He wants us to speak his word. Now here we go. I'm closing right here. You need to look at you the way God looks at you. Did you hear me? Not the way you see yourself in the mirror. Not the way somebody else talks about you. Not the way your parents talked about you growing up. Not the way your teacher told you you were in school. You need to look at you the way God looks at you. And see yourself different tonight. Can you say amen? Come on. You need to look at the way you at the way God looks at you. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. I don't see this little small Gideon. I see a mighty man of valor. You know why? Because he sees him in us. How many want God to look at us and see his image in us? Oh, what a, what a desire. That when God looks at me, he sees his image. That's my son. 
that's my daughter. Didn't he say that about Jesus? The sky is open. He said, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't you want to hear that from God? Don't you want to hear that from God? That he says, I, that's my son in whom I'm in well pleased. Now, this is the last thing I want you to get. This was, this was a, a nail and the hammer on the nail, this, this, this last conference. And I, I, it was such a great confirmation for me because I believe this. The great error of our churches today, and this would go especially to the big ones, to the really big ones, the mega churches, is we think that because if we're successful if we have a really big building. Or we're successful if we have lots and lots of people. Or we're successful if we have a lot of chairs. Size of our church. Or all the programs that we have. That's what makes us successful. We've got 25 ministries. That's what makes us successful. Or maybe even the popularity of the church. That church got five stars on Google. Wow. It's not what it's about. It's a church that plants churches, meaning it multiplies itself. And it's a church that has healings and deliverance, changed hearts, and a tangible presence of God. That's what makes a church. How many agree with that tonight? Not this. Listen, doesn't mean we shouldn't want a big church. Doesn't mean we shouldn't want lots of people. But if we're successful because we have a big church and a big building and all those things, that's not what God's looking. He's looking for hearts that are changed, healings in people's bodies. He's looking for deliverance, people to be delivered from their old ways, and more than anything, a tangible presence of God. That's why we have an emphasis in our church on discipleship. In the Bible, as we looked in that, in that Luke earlier in the Bible, or sorry, in Matthew, when we, we said sin labors to the harvest, God's answer to the masses of this world, to this crazy big population, is laborers. You and me saying yes. And my hope and prayer tonight is that somebody in this place, and maybe many, get, continue to get something in their heart that says, I can be the one to win one. Once you get that first one, that's when it becomes addicting. And you want to get more. And you want to get more. The power of multiplication. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us, challenging us, showing us, God, what really matters in this place is every individual person is, is important. Every single person here has value tonight. Every single man, every single woman, every single teenager, every single young person has value. One by one. Somebody won me to the Lord. And I'm going to win others. And they're going to win others. And they're going to win others. It's the power of multiplication. How are we going to save this world? How are we going to save Denton? How are we going to see Sanger and Crum and Corinth and Louisville and Aubrey and all the surrounding cities saved one by one. The power of multiplication. Lord, stir our hearts tonight all over this place. Put your spirit in us to just open up our mouths and tell people Jesus loves you. To open up our hands and say, here's a track. Would you read this? To tell people that at the restaurant or the store, 
God has a plan for your life. Jesus died for you on the cross. Are you saved? Are you born again? Do you want a new life? Do you want to have hope in this world? Just just speak the gospel, Father. You're telling people tonight as I'm praying right now, you're, you're speaking to our hearts individually, and you're saying, mighty man or woman of valor, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to change the world one person at a time. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, for anybody watching online tonight, maybe you're watching this recorded tonight. Maybe it's the next day because you work nights. You're listening to this and God is stirring your heart and you want to do something for God. Today's the day to make that decision. God, if you can use anything in this world, I know you can use me. I might be the weakest. I might be the worst spoken. I might be the biggest sinner. But your word tells me that I'm a mighty man of valor and I believe that tonight and I'm going to be used by you to tell people about what you did for me and I'm going to win one person at a time and I'm going to stand before you one day and I'm not going to say tonight, Lord, why, 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 why? I'm going to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. You said, who will go for me in Isaiah? And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. All over this place, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're watching online and Jesus is not Lord of your life tonight. We're going to say a prayer right now. A simple gospel prayer. Because Jesus already did everything else. All you have to do is believe. If you don't know where you'd go tonight if you passed into eternity. Because eternity is real. If you know there's a God but you haven't given Him your life tonight. Say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I need you to take over. How many in this place would say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. Just by slipping up your hand and say, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make Him Lord and Master tonight all over this place. You're watching online. You're listening on the podcast. Amen. Maybe you're backslidden. You're running from God. You need to get home. You need to get back to the Lord. You need to get back to your first love. Say, Jesus, tonight I'm making it right. I'm going to stop with the whys. I'm going to stop with the excuses. And I'm going to get right. How many could say, that's me? I'm getting right. Maybe you're watching online. You're here tonight. I want us to stand quickly across this place. I want us all to say the sinner's prayer together before we go offline, before we end this podcast. How many are realizing this is why we have church? We didn't come just to check the box off tonight. We came to let people know Jesus loves them. And those of us that know that Jesus loves us, we came to encourage ourselves to tell others more and more so that they can know Jesus too. Amen. Let's say this tonight all across this place. Just lift your voice with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your mercy. I come before you in need of a Savior. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. 2,000 years ago, He did that for me, a sinner. I know by grace tonight, you bought me with the blood of Jesus. I receive that, accept that, and believe that. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise tonight. As I believe there's some people who said that prayer with us tonight, online or on on podcast or even in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus.